Good evening. Here is yet another splendiferous, vociferous, incongruous, ambidextrous, soliplexus, drives a Lexus, t- lives in Texas, show called Beetle Places Podcast with Mark and Cole. In stereo. It's over the top, it's under the counter and it's around the bend. Uh. So here it is, in all its finery and glo- glory. Get it right. Get glory, Ruri. <laughs> the show will be repeated. That lad, the next five minutes and, to the broadcast. Uh, and, uh, and you'll be pleased to know uh, that uh, we're here for a little while, giving you a Beatles night in. So you can listen to about the Beatles, we're going to have a quiz about the Beatles, we're going to have features about the Beatles, and your two favourite people that I know of, Mark and Carl are here just are to present it all for you. Are they? When are they turning up? Um, any second now? <laughs> any second now. Uh, good, good, because uh, yeah, uh, so stuck here with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, enough said, thank right. you. Okay. So it's a live show. Uh, well, it was uh, it was flapping about just ten minutes ago, so we'll do our best to keep it lively all the way through. So you're very welcome to, and believe you me, you are, the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and... And Carl, the other way round. Yes, here we are then with Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Carl. How do you very do? Hey! So here it all is, and uh, here oh here it is. Uh, but uh, here's, here's the schedule of events for this evening. We're going to have a Beetle quiz because we're a bit random tonight. We did. We thought we'll be, we'll be a bit sort of miscellaneous, mysterious as well, uh, if you like. Uh, with that cape on, you do look it. Cape on? They're uh, chickens, <laughs> aren't they? No. Uh. So um, here right. we are. We're, we're just uh, we're just having a quiet one in the snug at the Farmer's Armpit in downtown Liverpool, just next door to the All Night Cobblers and Fish Bait Suppliers. All Night what? Mark and Carl have rocked up here <laughs> in their latest bib and tucker to present to you a wondrous episode of Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Carl, which includes the usual gubbins, I hope, and a chance to uh, just. Pump up your synapses and test your Beatles knowledge with lots of questions and factoids that we can present to you tonight. Hi, right, shall we start with a question? I don't see why not, that's the idea, isn't it? Right, shall I ask you one and see what you know? Oh, mais oui, mais oui, or right. voila, which is French for ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> oh, that's, I thought that was I haven't English, gone yet, no. English for goodbye. <laughs> ta-da! Uh, right. It is a question for you. Go ahead, lad. What job did Julia Lennon have? Julia Lennon being uh, John's mother. Okay. Do you uh, know? You want to answer that one right off? Yeah, go on then. Um, Julia a, Lennon. Was she a butcher? Julia. <laughs> yeah, n- not that I know. Or uh, no, no, she didn't. Um, she didn't uh, breed goats or anything like that. Uh, oh. Julia Lennon was uh, initially, or for a while, an usherette in the cinema. Ah, do you know which one? Uh, I think it might have been called the Trocadero. Ah, right. And uh, there's a little story behind that about a fellow who fancied her, but uh, that's a that's a nice old story anyway. So yeah, she used to work in a cinema. Ah. And funnily enough, the cinema she used to work in was in a place near Picton Road. And that particular building became many things after the war. And Julia Lennon stopped being an usherette. And uh, that particular building, you'll know what I'm talking about now. Uh, It it remained a cinema for a good few years, into the 50s. And then it became a super mama market. Mama market, yes. (laughs) Three three of them. Three of them, yeah, Yeah. tied together. And it became a supermarket called... 
Lennon's. Ah, just by just by a happy, happy coincidence. And they've gone now, being uh, uh, absorbed by uh, some other great big supermarkets. Yeah, now probably. it's a co-op. Now it's a co-op. So uh, yeah, the place is still there. Julia Lennon sadly isn't. Oh well, there you go. Well, that's the first question. Oh, was that the way. question? Oh, thank you. Was I right? You were right. Oh, well right. Done. I'm glad you said that so. That was smarty. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I tell you what. What? Uh, shall I ask you another one? Well, okay. Well, c- shall I mention the features after that? Oh, if you must. Couple, yeah. A couple of Come features. Come on, go on. Do, do that first. Well, uh, tonight we're going to have some features about uh, the book I've got, the Beetle Places book itself. I thought, I haven't had a glance at it in a good while. Does it need uh, an update or whatever? But uh, next thing you know, I was reading it for about 20 minutes ago and I don't remember writing this, but I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's got I, your name on the yeah, side I of it. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a bit of a clue. So we're going to talk about John Lennon's little neighbourhood of Woolton and the people who were in Woolton, spelled W-O. O L T O N. For a minute there, I thought I was an idiot. W O L T O N. And don't say you know. I know what you are. You've got a doctor's report. I know. And also, we're going to look at a fella who was a very dear friend of John Lennon called Jeff Muhammad. Not much is known about the guy, but I've dug up enough to help us out tonight. So, quiz wise and stuff wise, what have you got, matey? Well, um, I'm going to do this month in Beatle history, mm. which uh, this month happens to be the one between March and May, which is April. Oh, oh thanks. So thanks I'm going to have a look. Uh, now, go back to, say, 1967 mm. um, and the time they were recording Sgt. Pepper's. So, um, the, well, putting final touches to it anyway. Mm. Mm. Uh, and we'll go through a bit of uh, what was happening in April. Oh, tickety-boo. Uh, That'll do. Yeah. And uh, I'll go through a couple of books I've got here. Uh, which is uh, the Beatles' diary, and uh, also the uh, the Beatles called Long and Winding Road, history of the Beatles on record, all uh, interesting bits and pieces uh, about each track. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you another quick question now. Yeah, you did promise right. me one. Yeah, so just, this is just a teaser, isn't it? Uh, anybody who knows the uh, Carry On films in uh, in uh, this part of the world, the uh, comedy films. It's a, it's a British comedic tradition of the carry-on films. What I would like to know, Mm. um, which carry-on actor is mentioned on a Beatles record? Oh, oh. Uh, Straight away I know that one. Go on then. Um, uh, If you you don't know your cast of characters from the carry-on films, the one that always made me laugh as a kid, uh, and not really because he was funny, was uh, a rather odd chap called Charles Autry. That's the man. Charles Autry on Death Aids. That's him. And, um, yeah, memorably, John Lennon said that one, didn't he? On, I can't yeah. remember the song now. Two was, of Us yeah, from before. the album Let It Be. Uh, <laughs> I Dig a Pygmy by Charles Autry on the Death Aids. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, uh, but he was always uh, making these mad references. You know, do you know I, I, I read a thing last night. I was having a bath last night. You know, my, you, it's that time of About the year. About time you that, have one, that time yeah. of the year again, isn't it? So I was having a bath last night. And I was reading, <laughs> I was reading um, the Beatles' diaries, which is just an interesting one by Barry Miles. Really good, Aye. really good uh, detail book. Talk about detail. Um, and Barry Miles had uh, mentioned that uh, when the recording of "All You Need Is Love" was used, um, they uh, picked. I, I, I've given the question the back back to front, and I've ruined it. But uh, sure. um, they had a Glenn Miller track on All You Need Is Love. Can you remember what the song was? Because they used a Glenn Miller song in the middle of that mixture at the end when they had that coda to the song and they all wound, wound uh, the song In the up. mood, was it? It was in the mood, in the yeah. Mood. yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say, what song yeah. <laughs> had oh, in the mood in? Yes. And I answered it for myself. So, you did, yeah. yeah. Officially, I am an idiot. It's, 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 yeah. Well, I've signed that certificate for you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there was another bloke mentioned in um, the Let It Be album as well. Right. Um, one of the little things that John says at the front of uh, a couple of songs, uh, apart from Charles Hawtrey, he named a comedian as well. Um, um, wasn't Freddie Frinton, was it? He, no, no, no. Said, Meet the wife. Well, it's, it was. Um, he, he sang. Give us a clue. Uh, well, I think he was a comedian anyway. I'll have to do a bit more digging. Mm. Um, from the album, well, from the album Let It Be, it was uh, on the track called Dig It. When he talks like that. Oh, um, <coughs> Georgie Wood. Yeah, we George. We George Wood. Wood. He was a comedian. Little, he was, yeah. Little performing vaudevillian. Didn't he have comedian. great big shoes as well? That was that was Titch. That was Titch, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm getting mixed a, a up. A comedian there. called Titch yeah. who could lean on his shoes and do I don't know, go backwards. Lean right something. forward and yeah, touch his nose yeah. on Yeah, and he was yeah. only a, a wee guy. Uh, anyway, it wasn't him. No, it was Georgie George, Wood. We Georgie Wood. Uh, can you dig it by Georgie Wood? <laughs> and now we'd like to do Hark the Angels Come. <laughs> <laughs> But really good, isn't it? It's really good talking about this stuff. So that's what Beetle Places is all about, folks. But um, we'll, we'll be mentioning what Beetle Places um, I've looked up um, as soon as we've uh, done a little bit more. So what should we do first, Macy? Ooh. What, like what does it say in the in the diary there? Um, it says, um, buy a new diary. Oh, that's the uh, end of it. Sorry. 1963 yeah. Oh, no, I, I know what I was going to do the following. Ah. Little, little feature. Oh, I Oh, what's coming out the big bag now? Oh. Uh, we, a big bag, little book. Um, I'll be ready, children. It's, it's from. Uh, this is from a, um, a book I've mentioned before in the book reviews. John Harris, and it's called... Hail, hail, rock and roll. Hail, hail, rock and roll. Uh, and we've got the book at hand, a bit, a bit warped, because it's one of those bath reads of mine. <laughs> so, it's one that's not ten foot thick, that, <laughs> that book now, with all the pages of the swollen. Doubles as a pill if I feel a bit drowsy yes. in the bath. Um, uh, and little, little, like quite a lot on the Beatles uh, in Hamburg in this group, and uh, he knows a lot of stuff. Um, don't care what anyone says, he knows a lot of stuff about what I never knew about the Beatles, so especially in Hamburg. But a little feature here called The House That Fab's Built. Mark won't know most of this, so I'll test him. Go on. Um, we're looking at the address in London where the Beatles set up Apple HQ. Uh, Apple, hey. Apple Core, Apple HQ. Mm -hmm. And they bought a building. Number three, Savile Road, Savile Row in W1. Correct. And um, that's where the Beatles' empire carried on from about 1968-ish onwards. So it's a big old Georgian building, gorgeous-looking thing. Um, and I'm going to mention what was in the building by floors. Oh. And I want Mark to guess what is in each floor. Right. So uh, if people know what I'm talking about, you can picture the building, because on top of the building... Was a roof? Some, yeah, it was a roof. Now something <laughs> happened on that roof. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the bleeding obvious. Um, okay, the basement. Aye, the basement the of Three Savile Row, London, right. contained what, Mark? A recording studio. Yes, it did. With Magic Alex yeah. making a right of everything. Pig's ear. A pig's ear. Yeah, so cleaner version. And he cleaned it up. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, uh, yeah, it was Apple Studios. Officially, it was originally envisaged as a sci-fi recording 
facility designed by the uh, the famous Alec, uh, Magic Alex. Uh-huh. Uh, he never quite got his act together there. No, he, I don't he, think he could tink- join two wires together, no. really. <laughs> a lot of light bulbs never got replaced in that uh-huh. building, I'm telling you. He designed a, a mixing desk for them for... Um, the Let It Be I think album. It, I think it was ambitious, like 64 it, track, was it, or something it crazy? a load of rubbish. <laughs> well, he's been replaced by mobile phones now, so we don't yeah. need him. But um, I never didn't know what happened to Magic Alex after he left the Beatles, but obviously he must have gone back to Greece mm. um, and other musicals. What was his uh, second name? Madras. Madras. Mardas. Madras is a Sorry. curry. Madras. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the band worked in Apple Studios late 69, mm-hmm. early 69, um, and during all the Let It Be sessions. So they must have put some stuff there. Um, they also used a, a little studio called um, Trident Studios, uh-huh. where they recorded the odd thing. And Delane Lee, which is a, another strange one. Yeah. Um, Funny, that, that uh, Delane Lee appeared in my head three or four days ago for, for some strange it's for reason. Dubbing. I, yeah, it was, I thought, oh. Why has that appeared in my head? Um, I don't, uh, I don't, anyway, go on. Th- that's to do with age, mostly. It is, probably, yeah. Um, yeah, it says on the, on the notes from John Harris in the book, it says it was a 78-track studio intentionally, mm. um, and most of the wire was ripped out anyway because the Rolling Stones rehearsed in there, if you didn't know that. Ah. Um, we're getting to the ground floor. We'll just do a floor or so at a time. So on the ground floor, where you can go in through the front door, uh, what do you think was there? What would you suspect be on the fi- on the ground floor? I'd say reception, uh, a desk yeah. where you, where somebody sat and uh, so, yes, can I help you? Yeah, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I, I'd have I'd have gladly done that job for free if I could have worked there, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was too young and it was too uh, soon. But it was the ground floor. It was like where Apple Records sort of uh, was as a business. I think um, uh, the uh, the house hippie. Richard DeLello, he used to sit on cross-legged on top of the filing cabinet, sir, if I remember <laughs> rightly. This hasn't got it in me notes, but I'll take your word yeah. for it. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's also the same floor that Bag Productions was. And Bag Productions was a real company owned by John and Yoko, uh, even though they mentioned it in... Uh, which song? I've forgotten now. He Bag Production, I can't remember. Um he Come got together. One, yeah, Come thank, together. thanks, me. So, yeah, um, it, it was usually the sort of office stuff was uh, on the floor, and uh, it's where most of it was casually thieved as well when the place was ransacked by everybody in later in later time, when Apple kind of wound up post-Klein, uh, post I think. Uh, yeah, typewriters, stereos, um, po- the post arrived there, it was opened there, and all the female Beatles disciples, the Apple Scruffs, they hung around there, and uh, that's where George came up with the Apple Scruffs song. Aye. Um, on the fourth, on the first floor, or the first floor, if you're Dutch, mm-hmm. uh, the, it was the Holy of Holies, what do you think that was? The toilet. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no. I, I gather the the way of Derek faci- Taylor's office facilities. No, it's where all, the office where all the four Beatles were. Ah, right. right. Um, and it also says uh, plus Neil Neil Aspinall. He was there, and uh, it was completely decorated on their behalf, on account of their typically fabish capriciousness. They kept changing the decoration in the place. Um, Peter Brown, uh, one of the managers, co-managers under, under Epstein, he was there, and he sort of managed things. So when they, whenever you see pictures of the, the Beatles sort of sat around a big table, it was on the first floor, three Savile Row, London. 
Uh, on the second floor, we had the A&R team for Apple, right. and they organised most things. Alan Klein had a lot to do with that floor. He was usually making managerial sort of dealings and shenanigans up yeah. there, and um, and that's mostly where they had their arguments <laughs> about <coughs> Apple. Uh, on the second floor of the Apple floor was the Apple press office. Now, I would have expected on the ground floor, yeah. but um, that's where Derek Taylor Derek used Taylor to would be, Yeah, And we'll talk about Derek Taylor later because... We're going to have a little quick talk about uh, six degrees of separation. Ah. Who we know with a Beatle connection, if we, if the, even if it's a very strained one. Tenuous. Yeah, tenuous and then some. Ah. Um, so, yeah, and uh, also it had the nearby what they call Black Room, a strange cupboard stuffed with demos, inventions, manuscripts, sent in response to the Beatles' initial claims of... Send us your stuff, you know, like uh, Britain's Got we'll Talent Show. It. We'll promote yeah. you and stuff like that. All yeah. get shoved in a cupboard and forgot it about it. It was practically, Probably. yeah. yeah. Um, we're getting near the top now, mate. We're getting to the upper room Ooh. where uh, the, vertigo now. the windows are. It's like a dormer sort of uh, windows at the top. Aye. And this is where Apple films were. And actually, a few films were made. Not many, all mm. little sort of little independent thingies. But they had Born to Boogie with T-Rex. Uh, Ringo Starr directed that one, and Aye. also they had uh, a kitchen up there. For some reason, the kitchen was on the very top floor, um, and it was open all hours, and people just went up there and just did what they felt like. So obviously, you could stop off there, and if you wanted to, they had caviar constantly yeah. on on available. I know like, they had toast quite a bit, didn't and, they? Uh, and, uh, well, who wouldn't? There's a lot of toast. I love toast. So yeah. we've reached the top almost because on the top of the Apple the Apple HQ was what. You said it before. Well, it's the roof, wasn't it? Where yeah. they, uh, and yeah, where they played the last live performance, indeed, on right. the 30th of January 1969. Cut short by the police, but I think that, in a way, that I read it, that I interpret it, it was intended, mm. uh, or it was promoted. You know, get the coppers up here, give a bit of drama to it. So, uh, pretty thrilling, and uh, part of the Let It Be film as well, as we know. Yep. So uh, there we are, a little review and a little sort of estate agent's version of Three Savile Row HQ, where the Beatles were when they ran Apple. One of these days, when I go down to London again, I'll have to go and visit there because um, the hundreds of times I've been down there, I've never visited Savile Row. Oh, right. Even uh, when I had my suit fitted. (coughs) Not... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not surprised by that but um, yeah one day uh, like Liverpool Liverpool's different though I think in in Liverpool terms we can do a grand tour uh, in a very confined space because there's so many things just within reach just around the corner from each other yeah everything's so close in Liverpool you get to London it's a bit more you know, spaced uh, away. Spread out um, a bit more. Spread out is yeah. an understatement, but it's London, isn't it? So there you go, little feature. Don't like it. Right. Uh, can I ask you another question? You just did. Right. Oh, well done. Ask me another. You got the answer right there, then. <laughs> um, which is the uh, the longest uh, single released by the Beatles? Uh, and how long is it? Single. Um, and we're not talking, like, weird stuff. No, so, no, um, no. The, um, the genuine proper single. Yeah, uh, you would say, and you tempted me to say, "Hey Jude," so I'll say, "Hey Jude." Say it then. Hey Jude. Well done. Correct. Oh. Do you know how long it is? Six minutes thirty-two seconds. Mm, no. Seventy-eight was, hours uh, and four minutes. Getting closer. Seven minutes and fifteen wow. seconds. Wow! Wow! What a thing. And uh, do you know how long the fade out is as well? Oh, now, famously, it, fades uh, it was out. a very long fade-out. Yeah. Um, 
I heard that as a kid when it came out. And uh, we were stood in the hall going, this is going on a bit. Yeah. <laughs> because it was just, just been bought from the shop and, and uh, my neighbour Eileen, yeah. she bought it, put it on. And I went, yeah, OK, I've got it. But, you know, it, it's taken a while to get it's to the end. disappearing. Um, I would say half the record, about three minutes. Well, it's four minutes, actually. Four wow. minute fade out. Wow. The longest, um, well, one of the longest fade outs ever recorded, four minutes long. Good grief. You see, Carnival Light, Carnival of Light, the, the McCartney one that he did for a, like a, a 60s rave thing. Yeah. That's a famously long one, 17-something minutes, but it's not a commercially uh, available record. It's never been heard no. by a lot of people. Um, some people say they've heard it, but I doubt that. I haven't. Have you? Last time I looked? Nope. No. Nope. Oh, well. So where, where are we with that? Is that another question? That was the interesting that, that, that question. That was it. That was it for that little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, thank you, Mark. Thank you, me. And uh, there we are, another Beatles Places podcast. Who do you think you are? <laughs> With a little feature. So, um, uh, don't forget, um, we're always here in case you need us. And um, this is us on a regular basis doing little bits and pieces about Beatles stories, Beatles facts, Beatles questions, just to keep you entertained. And uh, just to keep you uh, entertained in as best a way as possible. I'm going to do another little feature now. Uh, if Mark hasn't got another quiz. Uh, no, I don't think so. Sure. Not at the moment. Uh, in a minute, we'll have this month in Beatle history. Right. But I'm going to do a little thing I promised I'd do, uh, if I could spell it right. It was a little thing about Walton, uh, where John Lennon came from, the little village in South Liverpool where John was raised as a kid. Um, he was he was brought up as a little baby in a place called Wavertree. And, that, of course, that was South Liverpool anyway. But... Uh, as it goes, he went even further south with his Aunt Mimi and his Uncle George, and he went to live in a lovely village. But I would say the word is sedate. I think it, when you go there, you go, oh, that's nice here, isn't it? So um, I, I've, I've always liked Walton. Uh, it reminds me of a place on the Whittle called Oxton. And uh, it's all to do with the sandstone, I reckon. Oh, it's just going to say a lot of sandstone yeah. buildings in the uh, It's the quarries and stuff that, mm. you know, quarry men. It all relates, doesn't it? Um, and lo and behold, uh, those those sort of sandstone buildings, sandstone walls, everything about Walton is, is famously to do with that fact. Okay. Um, yeah, I did a little bit of digging around the... Um, people around Walton that John and uh, John Lennon knew as a kid and I thought I'd uh, mention for a second or two if that's okay with Mark and you lot out there super off you go okay knock yourself out <laughs> so um yeah um Walton um a parish uh, formerly known as much Walton as in much ado much ado about nothing Aye. much Walton was the old name for Walton and um, it, it, it sort of developed a wee bit and the thing you'll be struck by if you ever you come to Liverpool and you see John Lennon's house is if you aim for the house, you have to go down a, a very main road. Uh, I've forgotten the name of the road now. It's uh, Menlove. It's Menlove, isn't Menlove it? Avenue. Menlove Avenue. I was going to say the A382 or something like that. Oh, for some no, that's not it. No, no. 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 So, of course not. Yeah, so John Lennon's, uh, John Lennon's house, well, the house he lived in with his auntie was on Menlove Avenue, 251 Menlove Avenue. And in the distance of the house is a great big ugly block of flats, you know, on the corner where Vale Road meets. Uh, I know. Yeah. Um, that's the only not nice thing about Wilton there, that big... Horrible bloody... Stuck on the corner. Anyway, that aside, that's been there for the longest time as well, so maybe John saw that, I'm not sure. Um, but in the midst of Walton's typical village material, little shops 
and a couple of churches. And the church that John Lennon uh, sort of uh, went to as a little boy, uh, little, as a naughty teenager, was this one, St. Peter's Church. And like many parish churches, John's local church was uh, published a Walton Parish magazine. I've seen this because uh, I went to the library and looked it up. It was like uh, a highlighted events and activities uh, for the local congregation. And you could see it was kind of a, a posh little village by the virtue of what was said in the little magazines. It mentioned all the festivals and rummage sales and jumble sales and music recitals and things they would have like the, what was what trips were going on with the brownie packs. And John, John Lennon lived uh, in so Walton from 1945 until about 1963. And as a young boy, he attended the Sunday school in St. Peter's Church. And of course, he was uh, uh, famously at their annual garden fete in 1957, uh, when the quarrymen played their thing, got noticed by Paul McCartney, and so it went. Uh -huh. but, uh, John was very much part of that congregation part part very much of that church gang um, because he sang in the choir and there was a guy in that uh, who ran the choir and his name was Humphreys strangely spelt but I'll, I'll, I'll pronounce it Humphreys and he was the guy who taught John to sing um, what I can say is uh, I don't know much about him since he left the neighborhood but he was the guy in charge of the choir and in charge of the Sunday school crowd and that included Pete Shotton and I think another lad called Shaw, I think his name was. But John Lennon definitely uh, got him his little singing lessons from this fella who taught him all about that. Um, <clears throat> the Sunday school itself was uh, kind of a big deal because in the, in the working week, there would be all kinds of things. Uh, puppet shows would be on, um, movie films were shown, and they would have the usual sort of uh, school trips, day trips for the kids to entertain them, I suppose. And uh, one of the lady was uh, one of the ladies who ran the uh, Sunday school school was uh, a lady called Betsy Richardson, and she was called Big Betty. Everybody called her Big Betty, and I wonder why. Um, but of course, apart from that, all the usual crowd were, were going to Walton, and they made up that crowd anyway. There was various shops in the neighbourhood um, where people ran shops, but John Lennon, as far as we knew. Uh, robbed a fair bit from these shops he robbed toys and you name it but um, God love him um, he couldn't help it <laughs> he was just he was like just William uh, in real life he just had this sort of way about him with his gang of mates and he just ran right through this quiet little village um, I was looking up that thing about Eric Humphreys the uh, choir master he was an organist and uh, he played at St. Peter's for about 20 years and he, he taught um, quite a lot of uh, lads in the neighbourhood to sing. So a little feature there, uh, I won't go into much more detail than that. The people and the people of Walton, John Lennon's neighbourhood. Ah, very good. Well done. Thank you. Super duper. It's the Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Col. We haven't planned the show, so nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Right, um, should I do this month in Beatle history? It's recommended. A bit of March and a bit of April. So I'll, I'll do that if that's all right with you. It's all right with me. Um, right, in March 1967, they just about got to the end of recording Sergeant Pepper. And uh, on April the 1st, they uh, did the 
um, reprise bit of it, recorded all in one session and stuff like that. And um, they then decided, uh, they got Peter Blake to do the cover for it. Uh, and they had heroes, that's what they... Um, the original sort of picture on the front. Oh, I see. That's how like, they... Like a theme. A theme. It, and uh, they got Robert Fraser and Peter Blake <coughs> um, and got as many people as they could think of to uh, uh, go on the front, pictures, photographs, cutouts, instead of using real people, um, and a floral clock as well. Oh, yeah, like like uh, like, like and, we're used to around this ne neck of the woods, aren't we? So And the... Uh, Paul half designed the sleeve and uh, he had uh, Bridget Bardot on it as well because uh, he quite fancied her and she was six times bigger than anybody else on the, on the thing. <laughs> Uh, can you can you remember any of the names of the people on the uh, on the album yeah. cover apart from John Paul? <clears throat> well, and I, I know. Uh, yeah, apart from them, uh, another Beatles are on it twice uh, because eh? there's them in real life, and then there's the manic mannequins uh, the dummies. Max work. Well, Max works. Max, Max works. Wax, yeah, wax which works. is around the corner from the Wax Works. Yes. Uh, there was them. There was Diana Dawes, Stan yes. Laurel, Oliver Hardy. Yeah. Hitler was Hitler was proposed, but he wasn't there. Mm. Muhammad Ali. Yep. Um, we had uh, Stu Sutcliffe's in there. Uh, yep. Uh, we had, um, oh God. Uh, Max Miller, the comedian. Yeah, he was with Little White Hat. Uh, um, Tom Mix, the cowboy. We had Welcome to Rolling Stones, the, the dummy on the chair. Uh, we had, crikey. Um, there was Aubrey Beard. Sonny Liston. As well, yep. Um, Five gurus. Two anonymous women as well. Ah. Uh -huh. uh, Drawings of three girls, which, whatever they were. Sonny Liston, as you said. Uh, Tommy Handley, who's a, a British comedian. Oh, yeah. Marilyn Monroe, Dr Livingstone, H.G. Wells, Einstein, uh, Marlena Dietrich, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, I remember him, uh, Diana Dawes, Shirley Temple. Uh, Tony Curtis. George Bernard Shaw. Albert Stubbins, the footballer. Oh, yeah, he's a Geordie, yeah. Karl Marx, the well-known... Uh, yeah, yeah, beard, yeah, man, yeah, man him, with a beard. Uh, who else? Um, Stockhausen, the composer. Oh, yeah, yeah. W.C. Field, choice, yeah. Dion as well, Dion DiMucci. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Wanderer. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, it goes on, doesn't it? It goes on and on and on. Uh so I know uh, the, the only fact I know about that is they sought permission from everybody as best they could, living there and dead. Yeah. Somehow or other, they wrote to the estates of the people who have passed away. Yeah, you said mentioned Hitler. He he was on it. Yeah, he is, uh... <laughs> yeah, but it's strange. You know, oh, the only other mad fact I know about that is John's wearing some medals on his outfit, uh, silky uh, uniform, yeah. and they were borrowed from Mona Best, Pete Best's mum, ah. because they were her dad's medals. Right, and, uh, uh. and Mona Best lived in India, um, brought up there for a very long time, and her dad was given these awarded <coughs> medals in in India. So for some reason, for the cheek of the man, it's one thing, and the the, the other fact is he he got to wear them. So uh, Pete Best gets a kind of a semi mention on Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, and on uh, April the third, in uh, nineteen sixty-seven. Um, Paul flew to Los Angeles with uh, Mal Evans and was going to take a photograph of the cover of Sergeant Pepper's with him yeah. to show um, his girlfriend then, uh, Jane Asher. 
uh, but he forgot to take it. Uh, when he met up with her in Denver, he, he was going to take it and he forgot all about it. Yeah. And uh, also, another thing he forgot was uh, to get his uh, American visa <laughs> renewed uh, because it had expired. Uh, and uh, they managed to get it sorted out within 30 minutes. Very good. So they hired a, a private Learjet from Frank Sinatra and uh, took them to San Francisco where um, they had San Francisco uh, had its first snow in 42 years <laughs> and was f absolutely freezing cold. Uh, they did the sights, took a photograph of the Golden Great Gate Bridge um, and then met up with Jefferson Airplane and did some uh, jamming with them where they were rehearsing oh, wow. uh, and uh, travelled uh, sort of here and there. Semi-incognito, semi like really, because unless yeah. you're with the other three, you don't get noticed as much. I think Paul did that when he went to France yeah. with uh, Mal or Neil, one of them. And, uh, yeah, he forgot his passport there as well. Yeah. clever. He's a right clever Trevor, old Paul McCartney. Oh, I, and in, uh, on, in April the 9th, uh, Paul and Mal Evans went to um, the Red Rock Stadium where they had a, a concert three years before. They mm. went to have a look at that, signed mm. some autographs. Uh, got on the Learjet again uh, and uh, went back to Los Angeles and uh, then went to visit the Mamas and the Papas. So they'd, they'd been here, there and everywhere. Then they went to see the Beach Boys. Uh, who else did they <laughs> go and see? Just touching base. Touching base with everybody. And uh, they went to see Brian Wilson where he was... Um, he was uh, well, sort of yeah, I, doing the track Vegetables yeah. oh, okay. um, on the Pet Sounds album, which is uh, one of the Beatles' favourite Beach Boys albums. I was reading about that they, yesterday. They copied yeah, that I was knocked lot. out by that. He said that, that was the standard they had to meet as a sort of counterpart to the Beach Boys' uh, Pet Sounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. So that was what happened in, uh, in April 1967. Thank you. There you go. That would be five pound, please. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> Mark, as ever. I thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, Dicky Longpocket strikes again. Ah. Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole, Serious Radio. Okay, everybody, you're listening to the groovy sound of Beetle Places podcast with Mark. And Cole. And, and there's a drum roll for nothing. Yeah, not a very good one. Um, yeah, I, I thought Mark, uh, Mark threw a few poses at me. I'll give Mark a question or two. Right. And um, let's see if he knows the answers to these. Just here and now, here and now. Three questions, just say when and I'll stop me pages of me little quiz book. Uh, when? Okay. Right. Songs about, uh, things about, The Beatles and the Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, right, okay. okay. <coughs> right. I'm always... Question, question, well, I hope so. Yes. Which song, question one, which, what song did the Beatles dance to in the Magical Mystery Tour? Um, what did they dance to? Yeah. Um... Can you picture them doing I it? I can, going down the stairs. In white. Yes. Uh, your mother should know. Your mother should know is right. Which Beatle brother came along on the Magical Mystery Tour? That would be Michael McCartney. Yeah, Peter Michael McCartney. It yeah, was yeah indeed, actually, yeah. yes, because Michael McCartney it's, it's is Paul. Ma yeah, Macca was, is was James Paul McCartney. James. I mean, and Peter Michael was his brother, who yeah. commonly known who's, as... Who's Doris, though? 
that does confuse me. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, they changed the names. Both of them changed the names back to front, didn't they? They did, and it was pretty common. I know a few people from school like that. Uh, I always knew them by their middle names. All right, question three, finally. Which movie idea preceded Magical Mystery Tour but failed to happen? Oh. <coughs> Just mm. before. And a few, few legal things happened, but it didn't happen. Uh, I give in. I don't know. You'd be interested to know. It was... It's got a connection with the last movie that we've seen to do with the Beatles. It's going to be a live concert, was it? No. 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 Who no, who I've was involved with the last Beatles movie? Involved, no. Involved. Yeah. Who made? What was the last movie you, you've known of that the Beatles had out there? Right. That was Let It Be. Mm. Mm -hmm. Who kind of re re repurposed it, reduxed it, re redid it? Oh, Phil Spector. Well, no, not the music. No, not of, the music. The movie of. The uh, uh, be, um, the bloke off can't remember his name. That's right, the bloke off can't remember his name. That well-known show of people yeah. with amnesia. <laughs> that's the yeah, guy, that's Peter him, yes. Jackson. That's the Peter fella. Jackson who made a lot of movies all about uh, the Jacksons. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no uh, go on. Fill Lord me of in. the Rings. Yeah, he and did. the Beatles they obtained the rights. To Lord uh, of the Rings. Oh, I remember. And, um, no, it's all and coming yet, back to it me, didn't yeah. kind of happen. No. I think John was going to play Gollum, uh, or it could have been Ringo. He's more of a Gollumish yes. sort of type yeah. of person, isn't he? So, yeah, that was the story behind the story. Uh, yeah. And it never happened, but no. uh, they, they had the rights. They were looking into it seriously. Uh, who knew? Who knew? But Magical Mystery Tour, Lord of the Rings, I reckon one of them would have done better. Uh, mm. But we won't say which because we're nice people. <laughs> we are. Okay, little feature, smallish feature. You may not have known about this, but I'll read it out. It's called The Last Will and Testament of Brian Epstein. Ah. Now, I found this out and uh, I can't remember where I found it out, but I've written it all out and here it is. At age 21, Brian Epstein wrote his last will and testament. It was dated... 21st of February 1954, and it was handwritten. He bequeathed his whole estate there and then, it wouldn't have been much more than his business, uh, to his dearly beloved family, but he reserved some items to what they call, in quotes, a dear and great friend. Ah. Now, you may not have heard of this dear and great friend. It was a fellow called Brendan Gary. Mm. And these were a collection of all his music records, theatre programmes, artistic possessions, but nothing's ever been written in Beatle books about Brendan Gary um, that I know of. Uh, mm. And when I dug up some <coughs> information through like through the likes of Heritage and Ancestry UK and things like that, found that this Brendan Gary was uh, born in Liverpool, 1934, so there's a little bit of a time when they were both around, and he lived in Egbeth in a place called uh, Mines, Mines Avenue. Any familiar to you? No. no oh, okay. No. Well, I gather Egbeth, posh. Yes. Yeah, uh, and where this was posh is posh. Yes. And um, this fellow, Brendan, lived there till 1958. And then uh, his father was actually was a doctor. And uh, Brendan himself uh, gained a law degree from Liverpool University. And uh, from there, he moved down south in 1959 to become a solicitor, working for, as a partner for Witham Weld. Witham Weld. That's the law firm that represents, guess who? Don't know. The Queen! Oh! It was the Queen, God. Well, blow yeah. me down. So, um, this, he, was, he was a lawyer 
for the Queen, no. <laughs> he said in a high-pitched voice. The contents <laughs> of... Uh, I should wear, I should wear a more yeah. slack, shouldn't I? Stand up and sit yeah, down again. Don't wear trunks. Um, the contents of Brian's will suggest that Brendan too was a theatre flan, and possibly fan. <laughs> flan. Yes, <laughs> we're not doing too well on Very the old quiche. speaking front, are we? Um, so possibly a theatre fan like Brian was, and they were mates that way round. Um, all for all to do with the sort of Basnet Square sort of uh, types of people he was hanging around with, and uh, with his legal expertise, it seems to me, it seems to me, you you tell me otherwise, Mark, but um, it's surprising Brian never kind of used him uh, in a in a legal capacity when he got sort of Beatle affairs in order. So it's really struck me as uh, odd. And Brendan was still around in 2009, to my knowledge. Now, I did speak to <coughs> Mark Lewison about this. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, yeah, I've, had a, I've heard of this Brendan Gary guy. And like me, he couldn't get anywhere. He wouldn't speak to him, wouldn't email him back, wouldn't write him letters, wouldn't uh-huh. answer questions. So I gather that's it. That's as much as we're all going to know about this person who was going to be bequeathed his... World, some of his worldly goods, mm. a fellow called Brendan Gary. Uh, presumably, he got them. When, and yeah, and when you mentioned 1967. There he was, 1967. Brian Epstein died, mm. and I gather this Brendan Gary got those possessions. Ah. No more is known. No more is known. Well, there we go. And we're back. Whoa, just like that. Where did we go? I think I, I didn't go anywhere. I just stay where I am. <laughs> Can I ask you another question? Yeah, that's the idea. Um, who was it that officially previewed um, the album Sergeant Pepper on BBC Radio? So the first that, time it was ever oh, played. We're talking about 1967 again. We are, yes. And uh, if that's the case, we're talking somebody you would have been part of the pirate radio crowd am i right so far you are yeah and they would have been one of those hip dj kind kind of guys i think it's kenny everest it is correct well and done kenny everest kenny yeah. everest I, I couldn't guess to anyone else really. he officially previewed um the program on the bbc light program as it was then can you imagine uh on the show where it's at uh but he was unable to play the final track because the bbc had banned a day in the life because of its uh, uh, drug references, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, they uh, they couldn't play it, so nearly all played, but not quite. Um, so it was Kenny Everett. Oh, well yeah, done, and, and we like Kenny Everett. We and, do. Um, you know, he was a local lad, Liverpool-born, born in uh, Seaforth, that I remember, and he went uh, and did his thing, and he became very famous. He, he helped. He did a lot with Queen as well. Kenny Everett. He promoted Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Uh, the first time round, and that's famously in their movie. Uh, but Kenny Everett, yeah, he did some crazy old stuff. And also, what did he help with the Beatles? He did the Christmas records, didn't he? He did. Yes, he yeah. uh, recorded all those and uh, edited them and stuff like that. He went on with them to America when they first. Oh yeah, I forgot went about to that. America on the yeah, plane. Forgot and, about that. And was blown away by it all because he couldn't believe where he was because they, they liked his uh, sense of humour fan of the goons and stuff like that yeah. and uh, he was just uh, that, I mean, dragged that, in and off he went then. yeah I mean he, he wasn't a sycophant either he was just one of those people who sort of you know was as crazy as them and as talented as them in his way his radio stuff is quite ambitious radio work when you consider he just had 
Leicester way we've got in front of us tonight. You know, uh, he put all this stuff together and he, and he mixed classical music with pop music and then he sp speeded records up and he slowed records down. Yep. He was an experimenter on the radio, much like George Martin was an experimenter in the studio. Mm. Well, thank you. Aye. And you, we mentioned just before about Delane Lee Studios, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And um, the Beatles recorded It's All Too Much at Delane Lee oh, Studios. Oh, did they now? Um, on May the 25th, 1967. Uh, and that was the same day that John took delivery of his uh, Rolls Royce painted. Oh, the gypsy painted. Psychedelic one. fur ground patterns. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you know who launched a formal objection to that? Oh, the way God. it was. Uh, oh, the way it was painted. painted. Oh, I, I gather. It's a bit obvious, really, when you think of it. The Queen again? No, no. Rolls Royce themselves. <laughs> they didn't like. They didn't want to. The oh, it posh kind of, cars yeah. painted looking like that. Well, it, it kind of uh, knocked their brand a bit, didn't it? Because their brand stood for something. And it was it was to do with prestige and, and not craziness. You know, he could afford a Rolls Royce and he didn't care, really. No, no, yeah. I do what I like with it. It's my car. I bought it, paid the money. I'm going to paint it whatever I like. Yeah, and well, he did. Yeah, and we know there's, uh, th there is still that one that drives around Liverpool now where if people pay enough... And uh, it's a jolly, jolly day out. You can drive, you can be driven around in a psychedelic Rolls Royce, much akin to John Lennon's one. Aye. And it's usually parked up by Matthew Street that I remember, because that's where most of the Beatle fans hang around. So, in case you need to know, in case you need to know, this is the Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Please keep your hands inside the vehicle at all times. Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Carl. How do you do? And here we are with uh, all the usual stuff on a, on a typical night. But we're, we're enjoying ourselves. That's the very we're, main yes. thing. And uh, we're, sorry, a biscuit, that's we're sorry for the inconvenience, yeah. but we're <laughs> actually enjoying ourselves. And here we are. Here's a little feature. Mark might like this. Um, oh. One of the many people concentrating on John Lennon, mostly myself tonight. I don't know why, but it, oh, just, se it just seems sorry, to be... It just seems to be uh, how it just turns up. So we've talked about uh, John Lennon's neighbourhood of Walton a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk about one of John Lennon's early mates who has never really had any limelight, ne never had a chance to be noticed or not much is known of him. And I'll tell you what I know about him anyway. It's a fella John met in our college who was a little older than him. And he went by the name of Jeff Mohammed. Mohammed. And uh, he came from a place called uh, uh, Withington in Manchester. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him. His real full name is Russell Jeffrey Mohammed. And he was born in Rusholm in South Manchester. His mother, funnily enough and strangely enough, was Italian. And her name was Eva Marietta Penessi. Penessi. I've always seen it in loads of books. And they call it Benetti and Benetti and Bonetti and... They've never looked it up right. I've looked it up right. I'm right. They're wrong. <laughs> Are you sure now? I, I, the last time I looked, yes. Um, and she was born in 1900 in Tunis in North Africa. So Good heavens. Jeff Mohammed is... is uh, she must be getting on a bit now. No, no, she, oh, she's, she's moved on since then. Oh, she's right. definitely in a nursing home by last, by last account. And um, <clears throat> she came to the UK as an orphan, God bless her, age 10 with a little sister called Agatha, and they stayed in an orphanage in a place called Frodgham, which is near Warrington. 
um, the maiden name of Benici's incorrect transposition of her true name. Uh, and when she gave birth to Russell, uh, the the fact was she was married to a fellow called Siddiq Muhammad, and Siddiq Muhammad. Uh, he was a fellow from Manchester, and he uh, ran a, a little shop uh, called Sadhani, which means moon, uh, yeah, and based in George Street, Manchester. And uh, they resided in Manchester, lived in Manchester. Jeff was raised in Manchester, and his father was therefore an Indian, raised in Didsbury, with an Italian mother who really came from South Africa, um, North Africa. So it's all a bit mad. Um, his father, of course, was raised in Manchester, brought him up there. And uh, Eva, the, his mum, probably remarried after his father died in 1960. Uh, Jeff did his national service before he went to our college, and he was a military policeman in Malaya. Now, that's even stranger still that he would go, I'm sick of being a policeman, I'm going to be in our college. But off he went, he joined Liverpool College of Arts in 1958. But in terms of difference, he really was a different person to John Lennon. And yet, they were mates, they were close mates. Now, typically, people who uh, are mates tend to be one or two years apart from each other because they're schoolmates, typically. Um, Jeff Mohammed, who was seven years older than John Lennon, and um, they met at our college and became great mates, drinking mates mostly. And they had a raucous old time. And it's seemingly, and it's been said by a few people, that they were seemingly closer than John was to Stuart Sutcliffe. But I think that changed over a little bit of time. Um, he was pretty much a character uh, all on his own. And he liked jazz music, didn't like rock and roll so much. And, uh, and yet, big influence on John Lennon. And even despite the, the age difference, they, they seem to get on and have a lot of drunken escapades, um, even though they didn't kind of compare musically and whatever else. But the thing that was significant about <coughs> Jeff Mohammed was he was a bit of a louse, really. He didn't sort of uh, live anywhere wonderful when he was a student. He lived in a grotty old basement flat somewhere in, in part of, of uh, Abercrombie. Uh, the area of Abercrombie, and uh, and yet he was a guy who got things started. He even encouraged John to go out with Cynthia Letter, Cynthia Powell, at a Christmas party, uh, and and yet Jeff Mohammed, who had all the potential to go and do something with his life, he he got kicked out. He was expelled at <coughs> um, one one Christmas time, and uh, he didn't make any notable appearances except one more time when he appeared as the best man for another our college mate's wedding, Tony Carricker, 1961. And after that, uh, he doesn't appear on the radar because he never kept in touch, even though he clearly knew John Lennon himself and John <coughs> Lennon knew of him and whatnot. Um, maybe inquiries were made. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But the last thing I found out about Jeff Mohammed was he sadly... he. Um, he passed away relatively young, 1974, aged 41. He never pursued like a, a career in art. He became what's called a heart therapist. And he worked uh, either self-employed or he had something to do with the heart hospital up in Manchester. And uh, something to do with cardiac therapy to, by, any, by any stretch of the imagination. But a bit of a change in careers in terms of he was a military mm. policeman, went to art college, didn't become an art teacher, he became a heart therapist, and um, he died, ironically, of a heart attack. Ah. So he didn't want to get involved, really, with no, the Beatles he'd stuff. No, he's a bit of a, yeah. bit of a you know, it solitary just guy. It just wasn't yeah. for him, I suppose. No, and I, I've yeah. been up to, I found his gravestone up in Manchester. It's in a place called Southern Cemetery, and it, it's he's surrounded by his family as it goes. Uh, it took ages to find it. 
Um, but he, he was survived by a half brother, and his brother, his half brother, was called Roy, Roy Talbot. Um, but uh, there's not much more I can tell you more about uh, dear old Jeff Muhammad, Mohammed. Uh, in terms of one, he's a very misspelled <coughs> name. Yeah. Two, people don't get his mother's name right, and three, he might have made a big difference to John Lennon if he survived know. a bit longer. So mm. there you go, a little story about Jeff Mohammed. Well, I never. Play us backwards, and we still don't make any sense. Beetle Places Podcast with Mark and Col. And breathe. <sighs> right, and we're back again. Do you know, do you know when I, I, whenever I'm feeling blue, Mark? Yes. I always breathe. That's a song. I always breathe. It helps. Do it. <laughs> yes. And then the blue goes away. And the blue goes yeah. away. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you a little story about uh, the song Michelle? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm curious. And, uh, you know me. And who, you know, who wrote it and who played it and what happened to the... Uh, to the song itself. Yeah, you can test me or you can tell me. Either uh, way. It was written mainly by Paul, um, and, but John helped with the, with the bridge bit in the middle of it. Paul sings lead with John and George supplying the harmony. It's on, on the album... Go on. Revolver. It is, yes. It, no, it isn't. Rubber Soul. As I rubber told soul. you, it was Rubber, rubber soul. soul. Will you listen to me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by January the 8th, 1966, a month after the release of the album, there were 20 cover versions of Michelle. The song is the second most covered song written by the Beatles, with over 620 versions recorded by 1975, mm-hmm. who, so that was quite a while ago, 1975. Well, you know but, we uh, can always say yesterday is like the most covered There's probably song. over a thousand. And I've never thought about the second best. Yeah, Michelle. Michelle. Uh, the first cover versions of Michelle were by the Overlanders yeah. and David and Jonathan. The Overlanders uh, was their only British hit for, for them, but uh, David and Jonathan, uh, their version, version of it, entered the top 30 on January the 19th at number 15, and uh, rose to uh, number nine in the charts. But uh, then David and Jonathan uh, kept their name for a little bit and they wrote Lovers of the World United. You, you remember that oh, one, I David know. and yeah, Jonathan? It's kind of a ba- uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lovers of the World United. Um, and that reached number seven, a bit higher than uh, Michelle. But uh, after that, David and Jonathan, they changed their name hmm. to the original, what the, they were originally called which was Roger Cook and Roger Greenaway. Oh, well. And uh, they wrote lots and lots and lots of hits. They did. Uh, formed a group called Blue Mink, uh, which Roger Cook sang in. They also wrote uh, Good Morning Freedom with Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood. They wrote uh, Bannerman, Stay With Me, Randy with Herbie Flowers and Melting Pot. Uh, You've Got Your Troubles with the Fortunes. Oh, <laughs> Um, Freedom Come, Freedom Go. Uh, for Silver Black, they wrote Conversations, uh, Something Tells Me. Um, These are great songs, by the Andy way. Andy Williams, Home Loving Man. Oh, really? Uh, Whistling Jack Smith, I Was Kaiser Bill's Batman. He, they, they wrote didn't. that. Really? They wrote The Drifters, Like Sister, Like Brother. Uh, White Plains, My Baby Loves Loving. Uh, the it's... Fantastics, Something Old, Something New. And Cliff Richards, Sunny Honey, Sunny Honey Girl, and uh, for the family dog, A Way of Life. So it started off 
singing a Beatles song. Yeah, just a cover band. Got them going and then vumph, off they went. Well, it, I mean, those, those names are songwriters that I know of. Yeah, Roger Cook, Roger Greenaway. to the names. Otherwise known as David and Jonathan. Yeah. So all that uh, stemmed from uh, Michelle. Two minutes, 40 seconds. The second most uh, covered Beatles song. There you go. From it's the album yeah, Rubber Soul. Good, and I like the fact they just went off on a tangent there, so I'd never have guessed any of that. All I do know is uh, Ivan Vaughan's wife helped write the uh, French lyrics. Oh, yeah. So there's the connection there. she was a French teacher. Was, she was taught so France, yeah. and she got a little, a little payment for it. Yeah. Now, I wonder how much that was. Uh, 17 and 6. Oh, oh now you, you do know your stuff. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> very sorry <coughs> don't quote me on that well thank you very much coming to a pair of ears near you every now and then it's the Beetle Places podcast hi everyone Beetle Places podcast here once again another episode oh dear you might say oh well we say um just a little feature because we've we're not going to read anything off for two or three minutes we're going to talk about degrees of separation you know this story you can have go oh I'm related to so and so but it's six degrees away from each other and famous people do this um in terms of uh, being connected with somebody else I was thinking out loud the other day while, oh, I, was yeah. in, while I was in the bath for me. I, I wondered what the noise was. <laughs> yeah. um, what do we know, you and I? Aye. Um, how 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 much Beatle stuff do we come across in our living lives? You know, I've, I've, what have we come across ever? Um, Discovered that other people. Mm. For instance, words, you've met. <clears throat> uh, you've met. Pete Best. I have, yes. Shook, shook his hand. Yeah, met him, shook his hand. On one of the uh, <clears throat> the Beatles uh, yeah, days. Beatlefest, uh, Be- uh, Beatlefest yeah, in, in Liverpool um, quite a few years ago. Didn't now. he say, what was it, get out my way, something like that? No, you? no, he didn't say anything the, like who that. Who the hell are you? No, no, no. 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 no he smiled and shook my hand. We were in Matthew said. Street, weren't we? Because uh, I think I'd seen him playing. Yeah, we'd, we'd seen him playing. And then he went up to the gallery, the Photograph That's right, because uh, Klaus Vormann. The Beatles stuff shop, going. I think it was. And you've got a Klaus Vormann um, signed, signed, signed poster. Signed poster, I yeah. have. So you never met Klaus? Or did you just buy Yes, he stuff? was there, yes, yeah. <coughs> That's he was actually talking on the phone when he signed my poster. Oh. <laughs> so I never spoke to him properly because he was on the phone while he was doing it, but I paid did, him the money. Did he say, get out of my way as well? No, no. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm I'm in this I'm in this phone box. I'm a very I'm revered I'm person. I'm in this phone in box. This Get out. <laughs> um, uh, my sister's met Paul McCartney. Ah, she. Yeah, she didn't know she'd met Paul McCartney. Ah. She's worked in an office in a place called Heswell, and uh, she was just she was a typist at the time. She's something else now, but. Um, uh, well, she's an even better typist. She's, 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 well, she's something finished, else now. She's finished that letter oh. and she's quit. Wow. And, and um, he just popped in. He was looking for one of his mates who ran the place they were at. Ah. And Paul lives in Heswell uh, when he's up here, mm-hmm. up here about. And uh, he just popped in and uh, her friend said, that was Paul McCartney. Ah. Uh, who knew? I've... I've uh, We've met Mike. We've seen Mike McCartney around. We've seen Mike McCartney numerous times. Trip over him all over the place around here. Yeah, I've seen him getting petrol at petrol station. (laughs) (laughs) We've bumped into him a couple of gigs, haven't we? So we've seen Neil Innes and met him there. 
and we've seen them at the Philharmonic. We have. The Bonzo Dog Doodah Band Run. Yep. And uh, that was weird enough. Along uh, with uh, John Gorman from The Scaffold yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I sat next to him on a train. Ah. Um, and my friend Mo, uh, old workmate of mine, um, she was at the Cavern uh, a fair bit, and she was on okay terms with George Harrison, but she said she didn't like John Lennon. No. She had one of the seats at the front, and she used to go to the gigs a lot. And uh, she, she, I said, oh, what, what, what would they all like as people, you know, not musicians? So, hey, George was great. He'd always ask you how your day was and, and carry on with stuff. But John Lennon walked right past you, and we turned out, it turned out he just couldn't see you because he was bloody blind. Yeah, because yeah, so, <laughs> he had to wear glasses. To <laughs> and uh, you don't argue with him. No. So, uh, yeah, he said, harder nuts to crack. George and Paul, all lovely, lovely and wonderful. Mm. And she knew Pete best as well. Um, my uh, mate Vicky is uh, the daughter of Jackie Lomax ah. and Jackie Lomax was a Apple recording musician Correct. and he was in the Undertaker's rock band mm-hmm. and he played in Hamburg and an interesting fact about Jackie Lomax is he dated Astrid Kircher after Stuart Sutcliffe died ah. And he was in Hamburg and stuff, and he went out with her, and so I and don't think they got round to do anything romantic because she married a guy called G- Gibson Kemp after that. But um, yeah, Jackie Lomax, and uh, I've met him the once, um, and for some reason he was one of them guys who will always wear cowboy hats mm. and cowboy stuff and t- dangly jackets and stuff. Uh, and I thought oh, he's a character, you know, he's a proper character. But uh, her, uh, my mate Vicky. Uh, uh, runs a website now for Jackie Lomax because the connection with Jackie Lomax was through George Harrison. And around the time George Harrison was doing Over the Mersey Wall and a few records like that, um, Jackie Lomax was recording his stuff and he he sang a George Harrison composition called Sour Milk Sea. Ah, yes. And on that song was George Harrison, Ringo, Paul... And Eric Clapton. Ah. And they're all playing in the music behind Jackie Lomax. So mm. there's a hell of a connection, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, I quite like that one. And um, and what else do we what know? Else? Uh, yeah. My, well, my wife, uh, her uncle, now sadly gone, uh, was in a group called the Mojos, uh, and they played at the Cavern the same time the Beatles played. Uh, his name was uh, John Conrad with a K, uh, so that's my connection through my wife's part of the family. Uh, otherwise, my mum has met Derek Taylor. Ah, yeah. When Derek Taylor used to work for the West Kirby and Hoylake Advertiser <laughs> uh, on the Wirral. And my mum used to work in the newsagents across the road from the newspaper office, not only a local paper, and Derek Taylor used to come in and ask for one cigarette at a time. A Lucy. A Lucy, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's all he could called. afford. Just give us one. And uh, <laughs> my mum sold him a cigarette. A Lucy. <laughs> Got a Lucy. Aye. Yeah, uh, that's right, you could uh, in the time, couldn't you? So, um, yeah. Um, no connection with Ringo Starr. Uh, I can't. Uh, no, I can't see. Like I can't see to pull that one out the hat. Oh, I mean, John Lennon. I did see. Uh, uh, I was up Matthew Street. Oh, very long time back now. Um, oh, a couple of things with Matthew Street is uh, that was where my club was. 
there was the cavern for the people in the 60s but when I was old enough I went to the club opposite opposite it called Eric's you did and uh, where there's so many many a band and I used to park my car where the cavern was yeah. <laughs> on top of it just a pile of bricks by then yeah because it was moved it was bloody demolished that's what it was because they had to uh, build an air um, yeah uh, it was uh, an air conditioning vent. air yeah. vents that's yeah. the word for the underground railway which was getting built well the, so they moved the cavern the sad story about that was the British railway company who wanted to put a vent just in that spot they said um, we want to put this spot, spot uh, thing in this spot, this spot as we're having a compulsory purchase order of that land and that meant that the cavern had to go Aye. and the answer to that was it didn't have to go didn't have to go for 500 they quid, didn't need it they didn't need it and they could have left it and it would have been a treasure mm. so sadly matthew street lost the cavern but i gained a car park space <laughs> yeah and uh, my my uh, gig of my gig of choice always was eric's because i used to go with a girl mate and uh, you could go and see the police for 60 pence yeah. and all these other <coughs> bands that made it big in the 80s and 90s. And I, they, I uh, never went. A uh, marvellous place, just like the cavern. Dark, deep, wet, damp, mm. smelly. Um, toilets were awful, but it was great. And uh, that, that was it for me. That, that was my version of the cavern. And I thought, I am, I am so. enjoying myself, I think. And they, had, they, they sold ale in there, strangely enough, in the cavern. They never sold ale no. until um, uh, Mr. Geegan came, Alf Geegan, who bought the cavern off uh, Ralph McFall, and he got a licence to sell alcohol. That was about 66, 67, 68, and then he quit. But, um, yeah, up, uh, up Matthew Street, uh, I did two things up there. I saw Louise Harrison uh, when she was doing an interview for a TV station, I think, George Harrison's eldest sister. Uh, she was mostly living in America at the time. She'd come over to do something for the Beatles channel or something related to the Beatles. And she came and did an interview and uh, I gave it a wave. <laughs> and she waved back. Ah. Um, other than that, I think um, uh, that was uh, more or less, um, that was me done, I think, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I can't so think of anything our else. Little, our little connections and our little bits that we know of to do with the Beatles that we're connected with in a very, 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 very loose way. Mm. If at first you don't succeed, then join the rest of us on the Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Col. Well, once again, hello everyone. It's Beetle Places podcast with dear old Mark and lovely old Carl here. Ah, especially uh, I. So, yes. would you like another couple of questions before we wrap things up, mate? Go on then. Okay. I'll mm. dig a couple out. All right. While well, you're okay, a battle, me of, a, a battle of wits, no less. A battle oh, of wits. It's coming, getting. We'll uh, give you exciting now. I'll give you three questions. You've got to give me que- three questions. We'll see who wins this one. Right. <laughs> I've got to find the questions first yeah, that now. Will help. I, I've got to come right. up with something equally awful. Go on then. Okay, Beetle Wives. Oh. Beetle Wives. Right. right. <clears throat> you might have to put your brain in for this one. Oh, no. Right. No. What was Linda McCartney's previous married name? Eastman. Was it? Is the wrong answer. Ah. 
previous married name, she married a geologist guy. Ah. And his name was uh, John Meville. C, as in I can see for miles. Ah. S-double-E. Ah. So her real name, her married name before Paul married her, was Linda C. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, strange but true. Well. All right. Go test, on then. Test you on this one. Question two. How many times did Cynthia Lennon marry... Uh, I would say... Give us give us the names to go with the marriages. <laughs> and then I want the blood types, and then I want another shoe size. The height, right. Uh, well, John Lennon. And that's about as far as you'll get <laughs> with me, really. <coughs> um, <clears throat> come on, you can do better. Come on, I know you can. I can't. Oh, OK. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, he's holding me up against the wall with that knife in your hand. <laughs> I can't. Uh, no more. Sorry. Cynthia Lennon married four times. Four times. She married John Lennon. She married a restaurateur called Robert Bassanini. He was a kind of a hotel chain guy. Um, she married a businessman called John Twist. And she finally married a man called, I think his name was ne- Neil or Neville Charles. I might even get the first name wrong, but uh, yeah, his name was Charles. Anyway, four men, four marriages, uh, and a long life. Cynthia Lennon married four times. Okay. Four times, Um, whoa. Another tester, last one from me. Right. And then you can test myself. What What was Yoko's previous married name? Oh, uh, uh, um... She was married before. Yes, I know. I know that. And yeah, she yeah. was married to somebody else. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't John Lennon. No. And 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 uh, she stopped being married to him when she married John Lennon. They're, oh. the, they're the clues. I've forgotten. Well, Can't give me another clue. He was an artist, just, know, yes, just like herself, avant-garde yeah. artist. Apart from Picasso, which it wasn't. He was no, he was busy that, that well, day. Vincent van Gogh, uh, no. <laughs> I'm afraid not. It was, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell his nationality. His name was Anthony Cox. Ah. And I think he was British. Uh, so that that's why she was in Britain, being an artist herself. She married a British artist, Anthony Cox. Well, there you go. Okay. Right. Here's something for you now. Oh, thank you. Is it a Christmas present? Early. <laughs> it could be, could be, could be. Uh, name the tramp steamer that did day trips from Liverpool to Wales that Ringo used to oh, work on. Oh, uh, uh, I've seen a poster for it. It's, it's if you if you go through James Street Station in Liverpool, big poster for it because it was uncovered. Ah. And it's ancient, and it was, uh, was, uh, Ringo was working on that ship as a bar steward. He, he was. Uh, and uh, it was ages saved drinks, and he didn't last very long. But it was, it was one of those things where um, he uh, worked there a couple of weeks, and he could always tell girls that he was a sailor. Ah. You know, and <laughs> he played up on that, so uh, it was all wrong, because it cause obviously wasn't. But he went to Wales every day, Menai Straits, Anglesey, places like that. It was called the... S.S. Tudno. It was. I hope so, anyway. T-U-D-N-O. It was, indeed. Name the boat that the Beatles used to play on. Oh. That floated up and down the Mersey. 
Yeah, uh, we've been on this. We did a thing years ago, didn't we? Radio we did thing. indeed. Um, we've been on this uh, for, a, for a gig. And uh, I did a thing on my Instagram page, like last week, like, uh, because it was the... Uh, MV Royal Iris. It was the Royal Iris. Well yeah. done. Excellent. And uh, I, all the facts I can remember from last week's Instagram was the it, it had two two ladies' toilets and one male toilet, <laughs> and it was called a fish and ship boat. Yep. And they served the chips way down in the bottom, <laughs> and that smell of chips coming to the top because the gig itself was in the top deck mm. and the food was in the bottom deck and the drunks were all in between and people were all going oh, and falling off and falling in and falling yes, over especially on a, a <laughs> on a when the river was uh, a bit oh. uh, turbulent <laughs> it used to rock from side to side That's, and many yeah, people were rather yeah, most sick of the time you're on the Mersey ferry and it's 10 minutes and you're off yeah you know you, you cross the water and you're off but on the on the river on the river on the Royal Iris a couple of hours wasn't it yeah yeah right uh, here's another thing about uh, Ringo. Oh. Uh, what was Ringo's father's occupation? Oh, uh, his dad was called Richard Henry Starkey, and he was a uh, cake maker, a confectioner. Aye. And yes. he worked in a shop called Cooper's. That's it. Uh, which is in, in, in town. It's opposite the McDonald's in town still, but it's not called Cooper's anymore. It isn't. And no. uh, he met his wife Elsie there because she was like, I think she put the, the sort of currants in the buns or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, something like that. But he met there. Uh, finally, oh. what, what school did uh, Ringo go to? The, uh, the secondary school. Well, there was two he went to. Um, one was the primary school you don't want the answer for. But I'll tell you anyway. He went to St. Silas primary school, infant school, uh, and then when he was old enough, 11-ish, and he was well enough because he was a very poorly lad, he went to Dingle Vale. It was. was it called? Dingle Vale, yeah, yep. so in, in Dingle. Uh, and um, hereby ended the sermon. Aye, yes, well done, uh, amen <laughs> and everything else. And uh, it's time to draw the uh, curtains uh, on yes. this uh, yes. particular episode <laughs> of Beetle Places podcast with Mark. And... Cole. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for the end. Yes. Uh, well, should we do the same again uh, next week or the week after or well, the week after that? When we're both available. <coughs> I think if we're not here, Tomorrow. not much will happen. So Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. Much appreciated. Hope you well, enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, any comments, by all means, leave something on the Instagram account for Beetle Places Podcast. There's loads of stuff in the Beetle Places book. There's also the Beetle Places quiz book. Uh, Mark is available for parties and bar mitzvahs. And I'm there just in case you need me anyway. I'm also pretty good at ironing. <laughs> so uh, if you want uh, something ironing, I'm your man. Oh, yeah, yeah. A uh, couple of shirts. Shirts. A couple of shirts. Yeah. So Any, uh, we're I'll, done. We're done. I'll go and uh, to the, put the kettle on now. Do you oh, want a yeah. cup of tea? And yeah. uh, we can... Uh, and tidy up. We can uh, go yeah, and, uh, yeah. get, well, me, why not? get me suit on. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's, time, it's getting a bit late now. I'll have yeah, to go. Where is your duffel coat? Oh, it's just out. I'll go and get it now. Yeah, so, it's it's, uh, a nice scarf. Don't take my <coughs> scarf. Oh, dear. Yeah. I'm getting a bit of a cough as well. You need a bobble hat. Well, try then. Bye. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. We hope to see you again real soon and don't forget to visit the gift shop on the way out.